Look at your neighbor, say, I'm glad you're here. Tell them you really need this. <laughs> All right. If you're here today, you don't own a Bible. If you hold your hand up, the ushers will bring you one. It's our gift to you. We want to make sure everybody gets a copy of the Word of God. Listen to me, guys. Every one of us, we need to have a revelation that what we really need. You know, if somebody came up to you and asked you, what do you really need today? You know, you might say, I need a new car, or I need a house, or I, I need a pay increase, or, uh, you know, I, I, I need a girlfriend. Some of you ladies say, I, I need a boyfriend. No, that ain't what you need, right? What you really need, you need God's word. More than anything else, you need God's word. David said, thy, thy word guides my life. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, it's a light to my path. He said, I've hidden your word in my heart that I won't wander off the trail. Isaiah said, you'll hear a word behind thee saying, this is the way, walk ye in it when you turn to the left or the right. God's word will get you on a head-on collision course with purpose, destiny, and absolute insane fulfillment. You need God's word. Look at somebody in the eye and say, you need the word of God. Amen. You got your Bible with you today? Let's stand together one more time. We're going to make a confession together. Lift your Bible up in the air. Say, this is my Bible. Say, I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. Say, I will do what it says I can do. Say, I have an open mind. I have a teachable spirit. From this moment forward, say, I'll never be the same. Shout that out. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Come on, give God one more big hand. Amen. Amen. I'm glad you're here. I, I, I just, I tell you what, it, it's kind of, I think one of the benefits to this service is that you're going to get all the great little nuggets all at once. Because now, now uh, we're at a point where it's, it's a little bit easier to discern what God's really saying to the church this weekend. You know, Saturday night, you know, we, last night we started off and, and uh, while, while uh, Corey and Kristen were up talking, you, you know, in Proverbs 13, she's reading that scripture and my eyes dropped down and, and one of the other scriptures just below it starts, you know, kind of pulsating, you know, and, and kind of coming off the page. Open up your Bible, if you would. Go to Proverbs 13. I'm reading that, and it, it's taken me a couple of services to realize that there really is an underlying message that God is, is trying to uh, inject into your life, into your heart today. And uh, I want you to know that when you leave here, you're gonna, you have the uh, ability to leave different than the way you came in. in infused with power, ability, Oh, hallelujah. Ain't ever going to be the same again. Amen. I ain't ever going to be the same again. Check this out. Verse 13 in Proverbs 13. It says, uh, what's it say? Whoso despises the word shall be destroyed. But he that feareth the commandment shall be rewarded. He that despises the word, the Amplified Bible says, he that despises the word of God brings destruction upon himself. I know a lot of times we're under the impression it's the enemy who's trying to bring destruction into our life. Matter of fact, John 10.10, 10, and, and uh, just throw this out, food for thought. John 10.10 10 says, uh, 
The thief cometh not but for to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life, life in abundance, right? Uh, the Amplified Bible we know says that Jesus said that he had come that we might have and enjoy life to the full till it overflows. We're talking about an overflowing, over-the-top, crazy good life, God life, eternal life, which starts when you're born again, not when you're dead. If you wait for eternal life, you know, if you're going to die before you enter into eternal life, you wasted the best part. When you get to heaven, you're just, you know, that, that victory thing. Oh, the battle's right here. Eternal life, Zoe life starts right now. Okay. But the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And uh, how does he do that? Well, he's defeated. How does an how does a defeated enemy? The Bible says, for this purpose was the Son of God manifest that he might destroy the works of the evil one. If Jesus was successful in fulfilling his purpose while on the earth, and I choose to believe he was, I think he, I think he succeeded in fulfilling his purpose. Well, then he destroyed the works of the evil one. If the works of the evil one had been destroyed, how does a defeated enemy wreak havoc in our life on a daily basis? Well, the Bible gives us the answer. It says, give no place to the devil. The word place is position of effectual, uh, of effectual opportunity. Don't give the enemy a position of effectual opportunity. In other words, the only way that a defeated enemy can wreak havoc in your life is if you let him. Hello? It's a choice. Do you realize that Deuteronomy, it said, I set in front of you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life. So life versus death is a choice. Life, zoe, death, separation. Death isn't dead. Death is separation right? So if you choose to be separated from life, that's your choice. If you choose to walk in the blessing, that's your choice. If you choose to be cursed, that's your choice. Matter of fact, life, death, blessing, cursing are the result of your choices. It's not the result of the power of an enemy or the goodness of God. God's goodness is towards all men, but yet not all men live under the goodness of God. Why? Because they don't choose to accept it. We've got some choices to make. And you know what's crazy is that the enemy is, is, is pretty gifted in separating you and I from the real blessing, the real life that God has. Listen to this again from the Amplified. Whoever despises the word of God brings destruction upon himself. Well, what do I mean despise the word? I don't despise the word of God. Well, if you're doing it your way and not God's way, you're embracing your way and despising his way. You're rejecting God's word. He who rejects God's word brings destruction upon himself. But he who respects the commandments of God, he is rewarded. For the teaching of the wise is a fountain of life that one may avoid the snares of death. That you might get around the trap to set to separate you from the life that God has to offer you. God's got real life for us, guys. God's, I said God's got real life for us. Zoe. I'm talking great, great plans for your future. You know, the enemy, he's trying to rip from your grip your future, your family, and your faith. Your future, your family, your faith. Your future doesn't start five years from now. It starts five minutes from now. When, when, when you're getting in the car driving out of here, you are entering into your future. And how you enter into that future is your choice. Am I going to get in agreement with the word of God? Or am I going to go ahead and continue to live uh, under, a, under a system of logic that's contrary to God's word? 
Do you remember the Bible where it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, the Word became flesh? We got all that, right? The Word, that Word is logos. It's where we get our word logic. In the beginning, God had a system of logic. He declared the end at the beginning, and it was his system of logic that would carry you to the end that he declared at the beginning. The world has a system of logic, which is contrary to God's system of logic. That's why in Proverbs 14, 12, it says there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end isn't the end that God declared. It's messed up. Hello? Come on now, let's just break it down. There's a way that seems right to you, but it's not going to produce what God said could be produced in your life. Well, we've got to get back to God's system of logic. Romans 10, 17 says that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We like to quote it this way, faith cometh and cometh and cometh and cometh and cometh by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. Now, you show me a guy that doesn't have very much faith, I'll show you a guy that ain't got very much word. Show me a guy that's really growing in faith, show you a guy that's really growing in the word. You want to increase your faith, increase the word. If you turn your back on the word, you open your life up to destruction. If you embrace the word, you open your life up to the reward that God has for you. The Bible says that you must believe that God is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. One of the Proverbs in the Message Bible puts it this way. It says, uh, ignore God's word and suffer. Honor God's word grow rich. If you ignore the word of God, you're going to suffer the separation from the promise. But when you do what God's word says to do, he will produce what he promised every single time. So the enemy has to inject other thoughts into your life to get you to not live in agreement with God's word. Hello? Faith comes by hearing, but so does fear. Fear would be the opposite of faith. Fear comes by hearing, but hearing words that are contrary to the word of God. See, either you're going to trust God or you're not, but when you decide not to trust God, it's because you're afraid that if you do what he said, you won't really see him produce what he promised. If you honestly believed that God would do what he promised, trust me, you'd be doing what he said. Let's, let's take it to a very simple application in life. Let's talk about the F word. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. If you believed, if you forgave, that God would release the, your future, that he would empower you, you would just simply forgive. But many of us are under the impression that if we actually forgive we're giving up something. We're going to be limited, uh, paralyzed, contained in our future, and somebody's going to have that to hold over us. They're going to have, you know, they're going to get one up on us because, because they were wrong and I was right. And see, you're absolutely right about part of that. You were right, they were wrong. The problem is, that's not the point. Forgiveness ain't got much to do with the past. Matter of fact, it has nothing to do with the past. You can't alter your past. You can only take your past to the altar. You're not going to change your past. Sorry, no matter what you do, nothing, nothing, nothing changes the past. Well, then what's forgiveness about? Well, let's look at it. Forgive, forgive. Two words put together to make one word. For, in advance. In advance. Give. 
That is a gift. A gift is something that's given to someone who's done nothing to deserve it. So in advance, a gift was given. Forgiveness was offered to you over 2,000 years ago. God sent his son Jesus to shed his blood and to die on a cross for your sin. You hadn't sinned yet. So in advance, God sent his son. His, his gift for you was in advance. God knew there's absolutely no way that you're going to live a perfect life. So I'm going to send Jesus and I forgive you in advance. Forgiveness releases your future. It ain't got nothing to do with your past. So the enemy comes to you and he gets you to hang on to bitterness and unforgiveness and to control you. Why? So he can separate you from the future that God has declared for you. You're under the impression that if you walk in forgiveness that you're going to give that person a position in your life where they can hold that over you and say, see, I knew it. And, but the reality is, is that by holding on to forgiveness, you give that person a position in your life. They are now on the throne of your life. They now determine and dictate the decisions that you make because of unforgiveness. You have elevated them to a place where only God's supposed to be. Hello? We've got to walk in forgiveness. But why, why don't we? Because we're afraid. We've received a word that is contrary to God's word. So we're walking in fear. Fear is a greater element, a greater influence in our life than faith is. Listen, we're great people. We're good people. We're nice people. We love God. The problem is, is that we just don't love God as much as we love ourselves. I wish it wasn't true. I, I wish I could tell you that we are all so passionately pursuing the presence of God that nothing can separate us from getting to that place. But the fact of the matter is, is that we live in a culture and a society that has warmly embraced an ideology that allows us to be Christians, to get a t-shirt and a bumper sticker, but don't get too fanatical about your religion. But I ain't serving God. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. That's Jehovah-Rohi. Jehovah-Rohi. Rohi, the shepherd, the one that dictates or directs my steps. Really? God directs and dictates your steps? Really? Did you ask him today, what am I to do? Have you gone to God recently and said, what would you like me to do with my life today? Or did you get out of bed this morning and you just decided, you know what? I'm going to do what I do because it makes me feel good. Why are we here today? Well, it's the right thing to do. Well, are you here because you like it? Or are you here because God has told you, this is what I want you to do. I want you to get in there. I want you to plug into that house. I want this to be your church. I want this to be your body. I want you to take your gift, your life. I want you to invest it there. I, I want you to be a blessing there. Let me tell you why I'm here today. I'm not here today because if I'm nice to you, you guys will pay me. I'm here today because I believe God has instructed me to come invest my life here. Whether you're here or not. Have you noticed when you're not here, I am. You can get your feathers ruffled and quit and move on. I'm still going to be here until Jesus tells me different. This is where I'm at. Hello? Whether you like it or not. What are we doing here? Ecclesiastes chapter 5 says, keep your foot when you go to the house of God. Don't be like those foolish people who don't even know when they're doing evil. They don't even understand that they're missing the point. 
See, here's the deal is that God is trying to bring you to a level of liberty and freedom and health and vitality and fulfillment. He's trying to unlock and, and release your true identity. He's trying to connect you to your real personality. He's wanting the you that he created you to be to come to the surface and shine. But the enemy is using fear to contain you and to hold you back and to keep you from really knowing the life that God has called and created you to live. Fear. Well, I don't think I'm afraid of much. Then how about you just do what God says? There's so many practical things in the word of God that we know he says to do that we struggle with. Why do we struggle? Because we're afraid that if we do it, it ain't really going to work out to our benefit. So you love you more than you love God. What if it didn't work out to your benefit? Oh, well, God asked you to do it. What if? What, what, oh, man, I got to be careful. No, I really got to be careful because I'm held accountable to the stuff I tell you. Uh, you know, I don't know about you guys, but in my, in my world, when revelation comes, the enemy comes to try to take that revelation, then I got to fight to keep it. That's Bible, you know. The Bible says that the sower sows the seed, the seed was the word of God. So the seed was sown, and immediately the thief came to try to steal that seed. And I've got to become responsible to the seed that I sow. So sometimes there's stuff going through my mind, and I could say it, but I'm not going to say it, because once I say it, now I'm held accountable to what I just said. And I've got to stand there, and then I've got to live it, and I've got to fight for it, and I've got to prove it. Dear Lord. You know it's true. You get challenged on this stuff. You know, it's like you when you say, yes, I'm going to be a giver. And then you go outside and the tires are flat and the battery's dead and somebody's backing to your car. New bills are in the bucket. And you're, okay, you're going you're to be a giver? Really? Let's find out. Well, as long as it doesn't cost me anything. I'm going to be a believer as long as it doesn't challenge me too much. I, I, I'm going to connect to God life as long as I can do it my way. Well, isn't this what they do in churches all across America? That, is that really a good point to make? Yes, there's people separated from God all across America who are deceived. Shouldn't we be like them? No. No, we, we ought to be who God's called us to be. God, God is trying to get us to experience the life that he sent his son Jesus to connect us to. And we've got to deal with the fear that's coming to try to separate us from it. And it, the Bible says that if we will respect and honor his word, that he, he will produce, well, let's read it again, that uh, uh, the teaching of the wise will produce a fountain of life. A fountain of life. A fountain of life. This is going to be so different from all the other, all the other uh, services. Revelation chapter 3, there is a story where, it, remember, remember the passage that says, you're, you're neither hot nor cold. You're lukewarm. I would that you'd either be hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I want to spew you out of my mouth. And, and, you know, and in that, in that, we've often used that passage of Scripture to talk about passion and, and uh, that you, you should be on fire for God. You should either be hot or cold. Do you really think God would say, I, I wish you were cold? I mean, if that's the context that, that's, that, that that was written, do you really think God would say, hey, I, I wish that you were hot or cold? No, like, he's not talking about your passion. He, he's talking about, some, uh, about a specific group of people that had a specific mentality. See, there were cities that surrounded, uh, what city is that written to? Uh, Laodicea. 
There's, there's cities that, were, that are around Laodicea, and you can, go, you can go there today. You can Google this later if you want. That, but there were, there were cities, that, uh, one of them that, that had in, incredible hot springs. It produced uh, mineral water. People come from all over the world to get in that water because it produced great healing. And yet on the other side, there was a city that had water that was so cold in the middle of the desert, in the hot space, people would spend their vacation going there just to be refreshed. But Laodicea, they didn't have wells. They didn't have springs. They just had money. They, 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 were, they were swimming in it. I mean, they had insane wealth. So what they did is they built water systems that carried the water into their city from both of those cities. So they... They, they built cisterns and, and, and everything that would bring the hot springs in and that would bring the, the cold, ice-cold water into their city. Problem was, by the time it got there, it wasn't hot and it wasn't cold. So they were a people that had water, but it wasn't healing and it wasn't refreshing. It was just, ugh. And God's looking at him and he said, and what he said was, you say you're rich. I say you're poor. You say you're hot. It ain't hot. It's lukewarm. You say you got refreshing. It's not refreshing. See, you ain't got what they got, even though you tried to buy it. And I, I think what God's saying to us is that, man, your life, it, it doesn't produce healing. It's not refreshing. It's just average room temperature. And I want you to know what it is to have real life. Can't buy it. You got to let it be produced in you. Fountains of life. How do I get the fountain of life operating in my life? Well, through God's word. I got to go to God's word. Check this out. In Deuteronomy 2, verse 7. Deuteronomy 2, it says, the Lord thy God hath blessed thee. Can I just throw this out to you? Guys, you're not going to be blessed. If you're hoping that someday you're going to be blessed, you're wasting a lot of time. You're not going to be blessed someday. You are already blessed. You're already blessed. The word blessed means position to win or succeed. How does God bless? According to Genesis 1.28, the Lord God blessed them and said. So when God speaks, it's God's word that positions you to win or succeed. If you can get a revelation that God's word has already positioned you to win and succeed, you don't have to wait for later. You can just walk blessed now. It's a choice that you make. I, I choose to agree with the word of God. Amos 3.3 3 says, how can two be, walk together except they be agreed? How am I going to walk with God unless I agree with God? If God says I'm blessed, guess what? I'm blessed. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm blessed. Right? The Lord thy God hath blessed thee in all the works of thy hand. That's one of his promises that whatsoever you set your hand to do is going to prosper. Do you realize if you keep your heart right, you can do the right thing, still succeed? Do the right thing, still succeed. Of course you would. You use the right thing. Keep your heart right, you can do the wrong thing, you still succeed. If your heart's wrong, you can do the right thing, still fail. God has blessed you in everything that you're doing. There are seasons when you're putting your hand to the plow and you're thinking, this ain't producing. Well, just hang on there, buckwheat. Don't cave in, give up and quit right now because the blessing of God is going to begin to produce. Why? Because he said it would. I said he said it would. There have been times in our life and in our ministry where it just seemed like we're just banging our head against the wall. Frustration tries to come. Disappointment tries to come. Anger tries to come. All of those things. You know what all those things are based in? Fear. 
What's the frust- where, where does frustration come from? A fear that God's not going to produce what he promised. Here I am doing what he said, and you're not going to produce it. That's just the devil. Man, if God said you're blessed, I got news for you. You're blessed. You might as well start acting like it. Well, I don't feel blessed. Well, aren't you glad we don't live by how we feel? I guarantee, I guarantee you. You, you know what? Next week, next week I'll be in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and I'll be telling them some of the same stuff that I tell you on a weekly basis. And you know what they'll be doing? They'll be clapping, shouting, and throwing money. They, they, they will be so excited because I'm just telling you, uh, I, I, I got I to gotta, I gotta throw this at you guys. The fact of the matter is, is that if you, if you walk in this thing long enough, you're going to find out that God's word never fails. He said, my word will not return into me void. It will not come back without accomplishing the very thing that I set it forth to accomplish. I am here today to tell you that when you do what he said, he will produce what he promised every single time. And if you haven't seen it yet, just keep going because it's going to produce. It is, go- it is going to overtake. The blessing of the Lord is sure. He has blessed all the works of thy hand. You don't see it today? You're probably going to be glad when you get to tomorrow because uh, had you got it today, you would have wasted it. But when you get to tomorrow and now it's multiplied, oh, it's going to be good. I said, it's going to be good. You might be in the middle of a hellacious storm right here today. It's all right. Just keep going. Just keep believing God. Look, he said he knows thy walking through this great wilderness. He knows where you're at. I know that there's days where you feel like God's forgotten you. God's, he must be mad. He, he, I must have done something wrong. How many times have we had people come to us and say, what do you think I'm doing wrong? Well, that's it right there that you think it's based on you. It's based on his word. Are you doing what he said? Are you trusting God? Acts 16, 31, and the message says, put your entire trust in the master Jesus and you'll live life the way you're supposed to and your whole household too. Put your entire trust. If I put my entire paycheck at Sterling Savings Bank, then I don't have anything to run over to U.S. Bank with. I don't have anything to, 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 to go you know, to the casino with. Why? Because it's all at the bank. It's all at Sterling. Well, if you put all your trust in the master Jesus, then you don't have any trust left to put in the stock market. So it doesn't make any difference if the stock market crashes. To me, why? Because my trust is not in the stock market. My trust is in Jesus, all of it. Uh, I don't have any trust to put in a position. Or can I, can I just be very blunt with you this morning? My trust is not in you. My future is not resting in your hands. I put my entire trust on the master Jesus. Well, if you're not careful, we'll go to another church. If you're not careful, I'll preach an even hotter message. (laughs) My trust is in the master Jesus. Then I'm going to live life the way I'm supposed to. Right? I don't have any trust left for anything else. He knows where I'm at. He hasn't forgotten me. He hasn't forsaken me. He hasn't neglected you. He hasn't abandoned you. Look, he said, these 40 years, the Lord thy God hath been with thee. The blessing isn't by what you've got. The blessing's by who you're with. God is with you. Psalms 118, the Lord is on my side. That don't mean he's on my team. He's on my side. He's side by side. He's walking through this mess with me. Psalm, or Isaiah, what is it, 43, that when you walk through the fire, I will be there. When you're going through the flood, I will be with you. Paul said, I'm ready for and equal to anything that comes my way through Christ, who's infusing me with an inner strength. 
picture, picture this in your mind. You know, uh, you, you got this little pump, this little hand pump. I should have brought one with me, uh, but I didn't know I was going to use this illustration, so how could I? Okay, but uh, I, I have this little hand pump, and, and <laughs> are you all right, Todd? Okay, you, you know the pump I'm talking about that I can stick onto that little air thing, and I, I can pump it up, and I can, I can increase the, and decrease, I can do anything I want to get the little hand pump. And Jesus is right here with you, and he's got this little pump, and he can pump you up, or he can let some out, because sometimes you get too pumped up, and so we've got to suck some of that out of there, right? I've been around some of you guys when you have too much. You call it gas. I just call it irritating. We just suck some of that out. And, uh, but Jesus can pump you up. The Lord is on my side. He's walking through me. He's he walking through the stuff with me. And Paul said, you know what? It doesn't make any difference what comes to my way. Why? Because I'm not by myself. I'm not alone. I'm not alone. I got help. I can deal with what's in front of me because I'm not doing it on my own strength. I got help. I'm not alone. The Lord is on my side. Here's my question for you today. Who are you with? I realize that's probably not proper English. With whom art thou traveling? No, uh, who are you with? Who's with you? Whose side are you on? What's the first thing that comes to your mind when trouble knocks? Oh, this is going to be good? Or, oh my God, how are we getting out of this? No, man. Who are you with? The Lord's on my side. He's here. He's wanting to participate. He's ready. He's ready to release. He's ready to increase. He's ready to direct. He's ready to guide. He, he's ready to infuse you with that inner strength. He'll pump you up. Who are you with? Are you looking at that problem and you go, oh, God, we're going under. Because fear, God, see, it's impossible to be connected to God with, without faith. The Bible says, you know, you, you got to have faith. What's faith? Faith is God's word. You got to have it. Look at Revelations 21. We're almost done. Revelation 21. Is it 21 that I want? It's got to be 21. Verse 5. Yeah. He that sat upon the throne. Who's sitting on the throne? You know, in your world, who's sitting on the throne? There can only be one. John the Revelator, you know, he, when he was at the first of this book, you, when you read it, it says, John, John uh, was, he said, I, I beheld heaven and the, and the gates to heaven, the doors to heaven were open. That'll preach. Heaven's open, guys. And I beheld a throne, not multiple thrones, a throne. One throne. Look at somebody say one throne. On the throne of every one's life. Inside each and every one of us, there's one throne. There's only one throne. Only one can be seated on the throne. Who's on the throne? You or God? He said, the one that sat on the throne said, behold. The word behold is a very cool word. It means stop, focus, and see this correctly. Stop. Why? Because you're going so fast. If you're not careful, you're going to miss this. That the enemy has us going so fast. Life, our culture, our society has us going so fast. If we're not careful, we miss all the stuff that really matters. Some of us are so, so consumed right now, you're missing the entire point of, uh, of this service. God's here trying to infuse you with inner strength now. He's trying to drop a word in you that'll, that'll give you what you need to make it through the next week. And, and, and we're just trying to sing three, three fast, two slow, put an offering in there, sit through this thing, and get out of here so we can get back to our day. No, stop. Stop. Just whoo, hold on. Hold on, Stop. God knows you got the trouble. He's been there. He's been there. 
He knows you got challenges. He knows you're hurting. He knows you're wounded. But he's a healer. Just stop. Focus. Focus. Why? Because if you don't focus, man, you're going to miss it. See this correctly. You want to know why you got to see it correctly? Because if you're not careful, you see it the way you see everything, and you don't see everything just right. You got God who's in heaven. You got you who's on earth. He's got a big picture. You got no idea. You got to see this through his eyes, not yours. Stop. Focus. See this correctly. I make all things new. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to get all the way through my message today. The word make versus the word create. The word create means to form from nothing. The word make means to form from that which has already been created. You know what God wants to do in your life? He wants to take the stuff that you think is a disaster and he wants to use that to make a life that screams the presence of a living God. You got an enemy who has you afraid to admit your stuff. You're hiding. You're covering. You're pretending it ain't there. And you got a God who says, how do I use that to demonstrate my glory if you won't even admit you got it? Hear me. He's not going to create something. He's going to make something. He's going to take what you got and make something with it. But if you won't say, I got it, he can't use it. If he can't use it, he can't make the new thing that he's trying to do in your life. But I'm afraid. I'm afraid that if I let the world know that if they see my shortcoming, oh, don't you get it? It's your shortcoming that's going to scream the goodness of God. In my weakness, that's where he becomes strong but I don't want the world to know that I've failed. Oh, really? They already do. No, they think I'm successful. No, no, they don't. Do you get up in the morning and have hundreds of people outside your house hoping to be like you? Okay, so there's three of us. But anyways, God wants to make all things no. God wants to take your brokenness, use that to show how good he really is. He wants to take you, the devastation that you've tried to deal with and the devastation that you've tried to hide and cover and that you've tried to, to you know, you've done all that you can to try to, 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 to fill that in. But God wants to come along and say, why don't you sit down for a minute? Let me make all things new. You know what? There's some people in the room right now. I, I want you to just close your Bible. The, the Spirit of God is just dealing in, in, in my spirit, man. I, I'll tell you what. You got some stuff. You've tried everything you can to deal with it. And the things that you haven't been able to even feel remotely successful at dealing with, you've tried to cover and tried to hide and tried to paint over but God is here today literally stopping the service saying to you I want to make things new I want to change not only what that produces in your life but I want to change how you see it stop focus and see this correctly
I'm on the throne of your life. You called me Lord. You call me God. Let me be God in your life. Let me reach into your brokenness and with my hand bring the pieces of a shattered dream and put it back together again. Let me by my power and my spirit bring life to where only death has been. Let me bring productivity where only barrenness has been. Let me let a fountain of life spring up inside of you. Allow me to change you from the inside out. I think this is God's crying out to us today. I know you love me. God's saying to us, I know you love me. Would you love me more than you love yourself? Would you take yourself off that throne for one moment? Let me get in my right position and do for you what I long to do that set you free, make you whole, introduce you to real fulfillment. Can I be your God? Can I bathe you in my my love? Would you receive today the love that I, God, offer you? If you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor Tom, there's something in those words that's just pulling at my heart. I realize I need to let God be on the throne. Maybe you've never had a relationship with God. Maybe you've had one for years, but you know it really isn't relevant. Today, you're ready to start a new relationship. You're ready for all things to be made new, and we want to start here. If that's you, while no one's looking around, and I know this isn't the easiest thing to do, but would you do me a favor? Would you just stand to your feet and say, Pastor, that's me. I know it's me. God's calling me to a new relationship, to a new level of life, to a new level of joy. He wants to bring a new peace into my life. He wants to make me new. I want to be the clay in the hands of a potter that he can shape me and mold me and make me the vessel he's called and created me to be. I don't want to hide it anymore. I want him to use it for his glory. I'm not afraid of looking foolish. I'm not afraid of looking like a failure. I'm afraid of missing my opportunity for God to change me. So I stand today with these who are standing and I say, God, be God in my life. You who are standing.